You're listening to the Tube Life Podcast with Patrick and Alex. We're here to learn from other creators and entrepreneurs how to become better creators ourselves, and we want to take you on our journey with us to be inspired and to help you achieve your own goals. Thank you for joining us on our journey into the Tube Life. We have a really great guest for you today. He started his YouTube journey around the same time as Alex and myself, which was pretty much at the beginning of the pandemic. And whether that was a coincidence or not, we will talk about that a bit later in the podcast. But what is probably uh, most remarkable is that he already took the plunge and went full time on YouTube and not just YouTube, because... This guest has his fingers in so many pies, and between his newsletters, his constant stream of articles on Medium, and his YouTube channel, where he consistently publishes twice a week, I think it is, he's been pretty hard to miss. Mark Ellis from Mark Ellis Reviews. Mark, thank you very much for joining us, and how are you doing today? Thank you for having me on, guys. What an intro. That's, um, I don't know how I can live up to that, really. But um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really good, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a week, as I'm sure we'll get onto for various reasons. But um, yeah, it's wonderful. And I, I love this podcast. I've, I've listened to the, the first two episodes and um, being obviously a YouTuber and a content creator, um, I, before I started the channel, I devoured this sort of stuff. Um, mm. And uh, I love what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. So it's a, yeah, an honor to be invited on. Thanks. So, so for those people who don't know your channel, those few that managed to not somehow hear about you in some way or another, uh, tell us what, what is your channel about? So it's tech reviews, basically, which I know is a bit of a, a wide topic and everyone else seems to be doing it, as, as, as we all know. Um, but it's, yeah, it's basically tech reviews, but I, I tend to take the, um, the angle, which is very much natural comes naturally to me which is not particularly techy so i don't get into benchmarks i don't really kind of deep dive into specs and things i do it occasionally but only if i really need to um yeah so it's, it's very top level kind of very um high level type stuff buying guidance um and it seems to have found an audience of people who are looking for that kind of advice so people who don't care about benchmarks um and there's absolutely a place for that and i'm very kind of envious and i admire the people uh, on youtube who who do it very well um it's just not me really i just don't find it interesting and um i think it's that classic thing of if 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 you've got an interest in something, chances are other people are going to have an interest in something, which is why this stuff works, which is why creating content for other people works, because there's lots of you out there. So um, that's what it is. Yeah. And, and I think I kind of sway fairly heavily. I think it's fair to say towards Apple. Uh, I've been an Apple uh, boy, fanboy most of my life. Um, well, not, actually, that's not true, actually, um, but for a good portion of it. Um, headphones, all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what I do. You're amongst so, friends. Oh, yes, I think so. I think so. I think uh, we have something in common there. Like I mentioned earlier, I think we started YouTube uh, around the same time. Uh, Your channel has seen some crazy growth. I I think you're approaching 60K now. Maybe you are at 60K at the moment. I don't know. It's going fast. (laughs) So uh, first of all, congratulations on that success. Did your channel take off from the start? We know a lot of people struggle in the beginning to get monetized, either to get to that 1K or the uh, 4,000 watch hours. It really depends on the channel. How has that been for you? Take us through those early days of your YouTube journey. So when I start, so like like you mentioned in the intro, I started, I think we all started about the same sort of time, fully enough, um, but it was just after the pandemic kind of kicked in and we were all kind of locked away at home. I had a few, I mean, I, I was still working, so I was quite lucky. I count myself very lucky that I, I still had my business going. I still had clients. I lost one or two of them, but the majority stuck, stuck with me and we got through it. But um, 
I, regardless of that, I had more time. So I, I remember specifically sitting in the garden uh, with my girlfriend and I just turned to her and said, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to start a YouTube channel. And she, she's the most supportive person ever. So she just said, great, fantastic, off you go. <laughs> um, she's got no interest in YouTube or tech or anything, but she'll always support me. Um, so I, I went for it. And um, I think what's interesting is that I didn't, when I first started, I didn't start with a with a purely tech channel in mind. Um because I've been a, a freelance uh, marketer for five or six years. So my idea really was, think, I, I was kind of thinking along, along the lines of all these people are suddenly working from home. A lot of them haven't worked from home before. I can probably help them when it comes to working from home and the kind of stuff you need to do that, the productivity techniques, um, how to find freelance clients for people that have lost their jobs and going into, into that world. And I, I, I assume there'd be quite a big audience for that. Um, so that was the idea. And I thought I'd just sprinkle in a few tech reviews here and there. And the reason I thought that was because I, I've been a, a YouTube viewer for, for many, many years. And I've got mm-hmm. my my favorite YouTubers myself, you know, my favorite tech YouTubers. And I just assumed that it, it was too big, a, too big a niche, too saturated to even try and get in there. So I, I kind of went off on that on that kind of front, um, planned it like a business, planned it properly uh, as, well, as far as I could. Um, and the first few videos I did, I, I did, I mean, they're still there. I've not taken them down. I've, I'm going to leave them there just for posterity. But um, <laughs> the first few videos I did were kind of like diary videos. I think the first one I'm sat in my kitchen just talking randomly about starting the channel and stuff. And um, I did that just to get used to being in front of the camera because I've always been used to being behind the camera. Um and just get used to, to posting each week, basically. Um, and then I just thought, right, let's go for it. And I, I, and I did a few productivity-based videos. Um, and then I reviewed a pair of Sony headphones, because I just thought, why not? I just bought them, these Sony XM3s. And um, I'd gone, but what, as soon as I published that, I went from getting 20, 30, 50 views per video to 1,200 views on this Sony XM3 um, um, video. And the light bulb suddenly went off. I thought, why has that happened? <laughs> and um, it came down to a couple of things. Really. One of them was uh, complete luck, obviously. The second thing was really bad research on my part. And what had basically happened was that I'd posted that video, that re- review of the XM3s, a few days after the XM4s had been announced. Um, so and, and immediately, being obviously a bit wet behind the ears with all this, I thought, oh, what an idiot. That's, that's totally the wrong thing to do. As we all know now, that's a brilliant thing to do because suddenly Sony had all this kind of brand cachet and stuff. And there's all these searches coming in for XM something uh, on on YouTube. And I picked up on that. Um, So that happened. And then I did a review of the MacBook, uh, the the previous generation 16-inch MacBook Pro, the the Intel version. Um, And that got, after two or three weeks, got 10,000 views or something. I thought, hang on a minute. And then Apple launched their M1 chip and Again, I couldn't have planned that at all, but it, it just all kind of fell into place. And I suddenly thought, let's just go for it. Let's forget the productivity freelance stuff, throw everything into technology, into, into Apple predominantly. Um, and I went for it from there, basically. And like I said, I couldn't have planned either of those things. It was, it was just being in the right place at the right time. Um, and it worked. And yeah, the rest is history. Can you share with us what a typical day looks like at your Mark Ellis reviews? Yeah, there's probably not such a thing as a typical day, is there, in this in this game? <laughs> but um, I know what you mean. That there has to be some sort of structure. And I think loosely, um, my, my day normally it starts quite early. Um, there's a reason for this, which I'll probably explain in a bit. But um, my alarm goes off at half five in the morning, which sounds ridiculous, but. Um, it, I lie there for about half an hour and kind of go through Twitter and check things and gradually wake up. Um, but then I get out of bed at six o'clock, go make a cup of coffee. And the first thing I do is write a blog. 
a blog post. Um, it's probably important to note at this stage that I'm very much a writer before a, a YouTuber. Um, I've written my entire life. I've always enjoyed writing, even as a kid. Um, it comes very naturally to me. Um, numbers don't, but words come very naturally to me. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's my first task of the day. And that blog post, um, again, it's it's all about the same stuff. It's about uh, Apple. It's about tech and stuff. Um, that gets published onto my website. But then it gets imported into Medium. And Medium is a, for anyone that doesn't know, um, is a huge uh, blogging platform. Um, yeah, 700,000 users on there. And, and, and it's just a massive, massive um, deal in that respect. So it gets imported into Medium. And um, that's my kind of first main task done for the day, really. Um, and the reason it's so important, and the reason I don't think my channel would have experienced the, the early growth it has, um, is because because I've, I'm, I'm proficient at writing, I enjoy it, and I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, at pretty much every video starts life as that blog post that I write at six o'clock six o'clock in the morning. Um, I don't really work from a script, but the, the typical process is that I'll write the blog, and then the blog is then kind of bullet pointed out roughly and then I sit in front of the camera and read from the bullet points and just ramble on basically um so that's kind of the way that works um but yeah in, in terms of the day uh, so I, I do the blog post in the morning and it very much depends what day it is I don't have a you know, every day is slightly different um but if it's a day when perhaps I'm doing I'm filming a roll I'll then head to the studio um, sit here and do the A-roll, etc. Uh, perhaps film the B-roll as well at the same time. I may then edit it the day after that, potentially. Um, I may have a podcast to record. Obviously, I've got my podcast bi-weekly that I do with Rob. Um, that that happens on Thursdays normally. Um, but it's, yeah, there's not, the only, I suppose what I'm saying is actually interesting, is, it, is the, the only kind of firm thing in my diary every day is that writing slot in the morning. It's so important to me. Um, and just very quickly, the reason I do it that early is because when I started the, the business, when I started the, the, the Marketless Reviews brand, um, I was very conscious. That I didn't just want to create, create it just, just that YouTube channel. It needed stuff around it to make it a viable business. Um, and one of those things would have been the blog. So I started with this idea of blogging and making videos. They're the two key things that I need to do. Um, and I started publishing on Medium pretty much straight away back in 2020. And um, they have a partner program, which is very similar to uh, YouTube, you, you, but you earn a share of the, the membership fees that they receive. Um, and I was putting, obviously, yeah, two, probably a, a, back then a couple of articles a week onto, onto my website and onto Medium. Um, and I was making about 30 cents every month from it. Mm. Um, and then again, around about that time that Apple launched the M1, I uh, upped the publishing a little bit on Medium, did about three articles a week. And my earnings jumped from, I think, something like $3 to $1,200 in one month in December that year. And I had, you guys have probably had this before. I had one of those moments where I just sat there and looked at the um, the report, the stats report, and thought, what's going on? <laughs> um, then I thought, okay, something's working. So I remember, I remember sitting, all these things, I always remember where I was. I was in the kitchen looking at my phone. I thought, right, from Monday next week, I'm going to get up at six o'clock every morning and write a blog post and do that Monday to Friday without fail publish it on medium and see what happens and i've done that ever since i've not i've probably missed one or two days in two years um on the what, 18 months whatever it is um and it's really really worked in in, in fact it's, it's resulted in medium being the the main breadwinner really it's it's it eclipses um adsense revenue most months that's really inspiring actually and you know because 
Um, I think Patrick and I are the same in terms of how we produce our content. We we do write first. Actually, we probably do a research first. So being able to to you know make make money out of that writing is not too much of a jump. I don't think for for us. And that's that's really good for people listening as well. Who you, you know if you, if you if you're good at writing and you're not really comfortable yet to start making YouTube videos, that's a good source there right of, of income also on the point of being a good writer you don't need to be i've spoken to a few people who have said oh i'd love to start a blog but i'm not i'm no good at writing it doesn't matter um i think people will look past perhaps slightly poor grammar or whatever it might be if you're telling a good story they don't really care as long as and, and also as we know most people don't read the entire article they'll skim the bits they want to see so mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be structured perfectly um right. but yeah it, it i agree it's something that um I think most YouTubers should do. They should become good writers. I think. Absolutely agree. The storytelling is 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 so important. I think it's also what sets us apart, right? I mean, you can do a few things with uh, your production quality, but then again, there's plenty of people that have great production quality. But if you have a nice story about a product, like you said, you don't like to, you know, just uh, regurgitate the uh, the spec sheet, but you want to tell a story about how you use the product and how or how you think you you could be using the product and place it in a a nice context that makes such a huge difference. I think you got that. Uh, you got that down pretty well. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm not an expert, but it's. Um, I yeah. found a. I found a formula that works. Put it that way. Just as a, a follow up on that on that writing, I think one one of the things that I'm wondering is, do you see in YouTube analytics, do you see any sort of uh, source of traffic coming from the from from your blogs? Do you see that, or is it? Hard to tell. I have to put my hands up at this point. I'm terrible with the analytics at the moment. One of my goals this year is to get better at looking at the analytics. Um, I've, in fact, every Friday I've got a, a recurring task to check YouTube analytics, and then every Thursday I tick it off and think I haven't got time for that. So I'm terrible with that. That's one. Yeah, don't learn from me on the, in that respect. But um, I have I've had a peak occasionally, and yeah, you, you do see stuff. Um, I think what's more interesting is that you, you, you hear people, so you'll, you'll get you'll get comments from certain people on youtube or, or medium vice versa and they'll say oh i found you on uh, i found this uh, medium account via your youtube channel or vice versa um and that's quite reassuring that people are there's a bit of crossover you posted something around uh putting articles on on, on linkedin do you do that as well now or is it something that you're just experimenting with I'm experimenting with it. Yeah, I, I neglected LinkedIn for a long time. I think when I, um, I've not used it for a couple of years, to be honest, I've left it um, kind of gathering dust. But um, yeah, over the last month or so, I've just started putting stuff on there. And it's um, it's interesting. You can get a lot of engagement on there. Um, you know, people see you get, get a lot of people commenting. It's a lot of people that I used to work with. So it's like old colleagues and things, which is it's nice. I don't know what the value is from the brand. That's the one thing I've, I've, I've got to kind of work out. Um, it doesn't take a lot, a lot of effort to do it, to be fair. And quite often it's my tweet threads that end up on LinkedIn. So it's a copy and paste thing. You just mentioned LinkedIn. I have a, I've been pondering this for such a long time because, you know, I also have a, quite a different profession from YouTube and I'm still working in it. Although I'm also, you know, considering going full time at some point, which is also why we are so interested in your story. Um, but LinkedIn, I've sort of left alone because somehow I, I'm not ready to mix my YouTube alter ego, if you will, uh, or actually maybe that's myself for real and my <laughs> my other profession is my alter ego, who, knew, who knows. But I, I haven't been able to, um, I haven't been willing to mix those things with, with each other. And I still feel a little bit of uh, awkwardness towards, let's say, my clients or my colleagues about what I do because I feel like they might not understand 
apparently, you know, you've been, you've broken that barrier. How's, how, how is that? How, how, how happy are you about having broken that barrier? And how does it feel for you to, to be out in the open, if you will? About <laughs> well, funnily enough, the, the exact reason that you've just described, Patrick, is why I, I neglected LinkedIn for the last two or three or probably longer. Um, I had the exact same thing where I had one contract in particular, my main contract, the, the one that was based in Canada, um, they were all on LinkedIn. They all linked to me. So I didn't even have Marcos Reviews as a company on my LinkedIn profile for, that, for the exact same reason that you just described. I, I, I wasn't embarrassed about it. I was just, I, I thought it was a, a bit of a conflict there. And mm. um, they, they knew I did it. That they, they knew I was doing it. That was no problem at all. But it was just something about LinkedIn that I didn't feel comfortable with. So funnily enough, when I decided to um, you know, get kind of move on from that contract and go full time the day after I'd gone full time I went straight into LinkedIn and set it all up with Marco's reviews and and just started using it because suddenly that barrier had gone because um, it is just me now there's, there's no mm. I'm not I'm not kind of being um, I'm not contracted to anyone to for there to be a conflict so but I know exactly what you mean because that's exactly how I felt before I actually created a second account because of that <laughs> <laughs> and long story but yeah it, it doesn't work <laughs> it's it, it it really doesn't though because I've all, I've done the same thing on my Facebook. I didn't want to have my my old friends, you know, come over to my YouTube channel and you know be like how they used to be. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to protect my my YouTube channel, if you will, but it doesn't work because I see my friends uh, finding my YouTube channel anyway somehow. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like, um, you know, if you're on Instagram, it's linked to your Facebook somehow, and they'll find you. They will find you. So I don't think there's any hiding, even if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hide no. not on here so mark i guess one of the, the kind of the follow-up from from the running running the business side of things of youtube and obviously going full-time i know it's 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 been relatively early for you to do that was there a specific moment or kind of a, a bit of a trigger that that made you go full-time um i've had a couple of people ask that it's i can't think of a specific moment really i think it was more of a gradual realization and a gradual build-up really i think once i suppose kind of early early 2021 so early, early last year um i started to get a sense that i was onto something um i didn't really know what it was but clearly something was happening you know that the, the subscribers were building fairly quickly i think probably when i got to about ten thousand subs on on youtube that was a moment where i thought okay this is in this is really interesting now um and because also i would kind of already started to build multiple sources of revenue um, I wasn't just relying on, on, on AdSense, for, for instance, which no one should do. Um, it's It was just getting interesting. Uh, and I think that the key, I suppose actually that there was one key point, which was um, towards the end of last year when I was starting to think I, I could probably do this full time at some stage. I, just out of interest, I looked at the revenue generated by just the, the Marketless Reviews brand for 2021 up until sort of mid-December. Um, and just by complete chance, it matched exactly the, the first year of revenue that I made in my previous business um, when, it first, when it first went incorporated, so its first year. But that business, it, that took about three or four years to get to that point, whereas this YouTube mm-hmm. brand had taken eight, you know, 13 or 14 months or something. And that's when I thought, okay, and, that, and that's me putting 50% of my time into it. Uh, what would happen if I'd put the other 50% into it as well? Um, so that was probably the moment, I think, definitely. And um, But it was definitely a gradual, a gradual realization, I think. Oh, that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, exactly. When you started uh, YouTube, did, w- were you already thinking about maybe one time, one day doing it uh, full time? Or, you know, was it... I'm asking the question because when I started YouTube, I never 
think about going full time. I would basically laugh when people ask me, "Would you ever do this full time?" And of course not. It's a hobby. But then you know, at, you know, as time progresses, and like you, and you know, you see you're you're onto something, and certain things are working, and you know, it's getting uh, to be fairly lucrative. I started. Hope my clients aren't listening, but I started losing a little bit of interest in in the things I did on a daily basis in my in my other business, if you will. Uh, you know, trying to sort of um, just do my work so I could get to creating because I loved it so much, and that's kind of changed things for me. That in, in a way that I now actually look at YouTube and think, okay, maybe maybe one day I'll you know I will go full time and do this for a living. So so has that changed for you over time, or was that from the beginning already uh, something you set out to do? I think right from the beginning, I, it was set out as a business. So um, I very, I didn't really treat it as a hobby, um, I, which I think some of my friends found that a bit odd. I, I had to kind of explain to a lot of my mates that they'd say things like, oh, it's great that you're doing this stuff and getting all these free products and things. It must be great to do that as your hobby. I remember saying to them, it's not a hobby. Um, it's damn hard work. You know, it, it's, it's a lot of stuff I have to do to get, the, get those videos out. And it's nice to get things and to have a reason to buy the latest MacBook Pro. But equally, it's um, I don't see it as a hobby. Um, I think I think really because I like I said because I treated it as a business and I looked at it from a kind of costs point of view and all that sort of stuff. Um, I funny enough that when I started planning it, I thought it will probably take about ten years to get to a point where I can move away from my day my day stuff and go into YouTube. And I genuinely thought that because I, I, I think when I started, I was I'd, um, just turned forty. I thought by my 50th birthday, I'll, um, I'll become a full-time YouTuber. That that sounds about right. Um, but like, like I say, sort of 12 months later, I was starting to think, hang on a minute, <laughs> that might happen a bit sooner. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that's one piece of advice I'd, I'd always give to anyone who wants to go into this and, and wants to go into it seriously. There's two things, really. One of them is that you do have to approach it as a business pretty much from the start, or at least when you start getting a bit of traction and you know, some start coming in, you've got to start thinking with it with a business head on. And the other thing is you've got to realize that when you, and we'll have all been through this with our own businesses, that as soon as you turn something into a business, it becomes less enjoyable. Mm. Um, I was listening to someone else talk about it. I think it was um, Ali Abdul. I'm sure you guys are aware of on, on mm. YouTube. Yeah. He was saying to um, on one of his podcasts recently that he, he got to the point with making videos where when it became a job, he'd do anything he could not to make a video. Whereas before he would be getting home from college and really relishing the turn the camera on and getting cracking so you've got to bear that in mind i think and and whatever it could obviously you, you create a youtube channel about your passion my one of my passions is tech um you know all the stuff i have in the studio they're all tools and i don't i don't go home and play with my macbook pro um whereas in the past <laughs> i might it might have been a bit of a toy so you have to be prepared for that i think definitely i actually had a yeah a bit of, as, as you were explaining that it, something occurred to me on on that point do you because you know i i still I think for the first year, all I was doing was experimenting and and seeing what works, and you know, throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Having having gone full time, do you? And I think you 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 kind of alluded to it now. Do you allow yourself some space? So out of ten videos, one video is like something that you you want to try something different, or have you figured out your niche and you want to stick to it and be consistent in that niche? You know, how how do you deal with that um, experimentation? I guess. I think I'm still figuring it out, to be honest. Um, I mean, if you look at my videos, they're generally Apple-focused, like I mentioned before, but there'll occasionally be something thrown in which is completely left field. So, for example, an electric bike. I reviewed an mm. electric bike a little while ago. Um, and normally this is because I've been sent something. Someone said to me, look, do you fancy reviewing it? And if they do that, now I like the look of it, I think, 
okay, I'll give it a go. Um, I knew that video would tank, and it pretty much did, really. Um, equally, when I published a review of the studio studio display from Apple, it blew up within two or three hours. And I knew it, without sounding arrogant, I had a good feeling it would. Um, I've seen other YouTube channels, without naming any names, who, and I'm not blaming them for this at all, but they all do... 30 videos about the Mac mini. It will be Mac mini now, Mac mini two weeks later, my favorite Mac mini accessories, my, my next 20 favorite Mac. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not kind of disparaging that at all. I just can't do that. I'd get incredibly bored of that. Um, for me, I have to kind of experiment a little bit and that's probably a little bit to my detriment because if you look at my views, they're all over the place. You know, I have a video with 300,000 views and one with three and a half thousand. So I think that's because my channel isn't still isn't huge. It's massive for me, but it's still not big in terms of YouTube. I think I'm still in that phase where I'm finding my feet a bit and, you know, I'm not, I'm not Peter McKinnon. I can't put a video with a, you know, just a sentence that says, you know, my favorite coffee and get 3 million views. It's, it's <laughs> not going to happen. So um, I, I think, yeah, going back to your question, Alex, Alex I, th- I think I'm just finding my feet with it, but I, I don't want to stop experimenting. I don't want to get into a rut of just churning out the same videos about the same products. That's, that's good to hear because, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's that there's some space for that still. And even though um, realistically, you know, I'd like to, to try other things, but I know that, for example, if I try to put a, a video about my lighting or my camera, it's not going to do well. But if I stick to smartphones and tablets and things like that, at least I have some space there. But, you yeah, know, it's good to know that you were, you know, you got to where you got by by trying different things. And that's, that's really important for me. I wonder if there's a, if there's a tipping point somewhere, because, you know, like, like Mark, I also tried, you know, the e-bike thing and, uh, you know, it was great fun to make. And it's, I think it's one of the better videos I've done actually in, in terms of, uh, you know, production quality and I used drones and all that kind of stuff completely tanked. I think it, it it's still not at 2k after all this time. Um, but you know, you see all those big channels and they did niche down in the beginning, uh, you know, they did all Apple or even all iPad or whatever, and they get really big. And I wonder if there's a tipping point that if you have three, 400,000, you know, subscribers that you can actually make something else and people will watch it anyway, because it's you. But for the moment, I, I feel like, you know, especially, you know, at our, um, size, there's just no way if I deviate even a little bit, it's just not going to work. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? You feel like you're in a very narrow corridor, and if you go to one side, because I know what you mean about like, like you kind of described the the production of the e-bike video. I was the exact. I didn't go quite as fancy as you. I didn't use drones and things, but um, I really enjoyed editing that video and putting it together. And the same as you, it got about two and a half thousand views, which is still a lot of views. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I love every single view that I get. It's fantastic. But, and then you do a review of the, you know, a, a kind of year long review of the Mac Mini, and it gets fifty thousand views. You think. Mm. And that's the sort of video that you can do relatively easily. And it's not particularly hard work. Um, and you're probably regurgitating stuff. Um, but yeah, there probably is a tipping point, I think. I mean, going back to Peter McKinnon, he, I followed him for a long time. And obviously his original um, videos were all about, they were pretty much just photography tutorials and Lightroom tutorials. And he obviously reached a point where he could just do a, an entire video about him being out in his truck, you know, shoveling snow out of the way and all that sort of stuff. And it works, you know. Um, I'm not sure when that tipping point is, though. That's that's the that's the the golden question, isn't it? How has the support been for you when you when you decided I want to transition into full time YouTube? How did your family respond? How did your friends respond? You know, how's that been? Um, well, firstly, with my girlfriend Jen, she's um, just amazing. She's the most supportive person I've ever met, really. Um, which is how it should be. I think your partner should always be the person who you're closest to 
should support you as much as they can. And unless you've got a, unless the idea you've got is really daft, you know, if I'd said, I'm going to build a rocket ship and fly to the moon, she'd tell me to you know, go get a proper job. But um, I think because she, she'd kind of seen from the sidelines what I was doing, how much work I was putting into it. And by that point, I'd, I'd got the studio and, you know, lots of late nights and early mornings and things. And I think she just, she could, even though she didn't, necessarily understand it because it's not her thing um she kind of got it so she's been amazing and and I think without her unless I was on my own I think if I was with someone else who wasn't as supportive I probably wouldn't even be sat here talking to you guys now so that's really important um I think everyone else I mean like the rest of my family they're just again a lot of them don't understand it you've probably had this yourselves where you know, you'll sit there, they'll say to you, so how do you make money out of this then? And um, you start talking about, you know, affiliate revenue and sponsors and things. And you can see them sort of nodding and smiling and just thinking, I've got a clue what he's talking about. And I totally understand that because if it's not your thing, a lot of these people don't watch YouTube. Or if they do watch YouTube, they don't, they probably don't watch it in the way that we watch it analytically mm-hmm. and thinking, mm-hmm. how's he doing that? You know, why is she talking about it? whatever it is? Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's been interesting. And I've, and I've had a few people, a few kind of ex-colleagues. I spoke to one today, actually. He called, called me out of the blue and he, um, he said, how are things? I said, well, pretty good, actually. I've gone full-time with the YouTube thing. And he kind of went quiet. He said, what, are, you, are you making money out of that now then? I said, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it otherwise, would I? Um, yeah. But I kind of understand where they're coming from because it isn't a, a typical career. Um, yeah. But I've not had anyone who said, what are you doing, you know, don't give it up you, you, you make a mistake and you know my, my big contract that I left last week they were incredibly supportive um they they said straight away do it you know if you're onto something get on with it um but yeah on the whole I've been quite lucky with that I think really so when people ask you what do you do for a living what do you say I don't know I've always had that issue though I think when I started my my own business in 2015 and I went in I, I basically started a content marketing business that's hard enough to explain anyway because mm-hmm. what you're basically doing is sitting there writing blogs for people and doing social media posts and things um, this is even harder than that um I don't know I kind of flip between youtuber and I don't like the word influencer that bothers me that <laughs> word um yeah. con- I quite like content creator I think that's kind of what we do I mean, what do you guys what, what what do you both say when when someone asks you same. I, I have no idea. I, I don't like saying YouTuber because it has that stigma. You know, it's influencer and YouTuber, you know, at least over here is kind of synonymous. Uh, my accountant calls it influencer because apparently the tax authorities call it influencer. But I don't know. I, I sometimes say, you know, I produce videos or something like that. It, it's kind of undecided. For me, it depends where I am. If I go to the Apple store, I'm definitely a tech YouTuber and here's my channel. <laughs> Just in the hope that they will offer me some free stuff. If I go somewhere else, I still say what, what I do for a living, which is to do with IT. So I just say, yeah, I'm, I work in IT. You know, you touched a little bit on on kind of how you how you make your money and, and how, how you run your business. Um, if you were to sort of divide, uh, obviously without sharing uh, details here, but kind of just... As a percentage, you know, if you were to draw like a, a pie chart, how would you how would that look like in in terms of um, uh, revenue streams? So at the moment, like I say, medium is probably about fifty percent of the the revenue typically. Um, mm. Sometimes a bit less. Depends again; it's very it fluctuates quite a lot. Um, that's then probably brought up by, I'd say, probably between 30 to 40 percent adsense very small amount of patreon uh, revenue that comes in um sponsorships mm. obviously sponsorships is growing that's something which I, i'm kind of targeting to um to expand on partly because it's more predictable i don't like unpredictable revenue i don't i'm not used to that i'm used to knowing mm. what you're invoicing for and that sort of stuff whereas with as you know with adsense and with the partner program on medium 
it can be anything you know it can go up and down yeah. and it's very very difficult to to kind of um predict in fact you, i don't think you can predict it um or, or rely yeah. on it. rely on it no not at all no that that's the one I, th- I suppose that's the one thing that gives not doesn't give me sleepless nights but it's one thing that i'm i'm really focused on which is getting a really good base of predictable revenue that i can i can grow by working with like i say with sponsors or whatever it might be um and they're starting to filter through quite nicely now um but yeah, that's that's roughly it but i think when i when i when people ask that question, I, I mentioned medium. I know I keep talking about medium, um, but when I mention medium, um, it surprises a lot of people. But um, it's an absolutely critical part of this business. Um, but that said, if that, if that disappeared, I'd still have other stuff to fall back on. It wouldn't be great if it disappeared, but it, I would. No. I wouldn't be completely, you know, up the creek. It definitely surprised me when I, when I heard you saying that, and in, in a different podcast. And I, yeah, and I'm I was really interested to hear that because I actually started doing the same very at the very beginning and didn't see any traction so I just left it but I think yeah that's a good and and Patrick and I both know creators who are excellent at writing and they they're kind of in the same sort of journey if you guys are listening yeah, yeah have a look at medium because it's um it's a good good stream there I'd like to talk about your studio a little bit because uh you started like most of us uh doing videos from your bedroom or, or spare bedroom in your house rather uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm in a, a very small room. Uh, it's, it's probably about the same size as yours at the time. And uh, it, it's challenging. Let's put, put it that way. So so when did you decide, like, I need to move out now or I need a bigger space? Or what was it that drove you to to, to, to rent that studio? Also, quite early on. It was, yeah, it was very early, probably too early. <laughs> Who knows? So I did that back in October. So in October, at which point I had I'd probably between 40 and 50,000 subs, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'd always had this 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 kind of dream of having my own creative space that I could just go to and be completely away from the house and just do whatever I wanted in there in terms of you know, video work and stuff. Um, I think the numbers just lined up. You know, I'd, 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 My business as a whole was making good money um, and I could start to look at places like this and think, well, I could, I could cover the cost of this quite quickly, you know, um, and not really worry about it. So if I can do that, why not do it? And also going back to the kind of bedroom studio, like you say, Patrick, I'd, I I think your room's bigger than mine. I mean, that might just be the camera uh, playing tricks, as we know. But, um, possibly, yeah, wide lenses and stuff. But um, mine is, at, well, the old studio was absolutely tiny. Um, and um, I personally, I, I'd exhausted it in terms of create, creative ways of using, using it for B-roll and stuff like that. And I know that people don't really care. Viewers don't it doesn't matter to them they just want to see the product and hear you talk about it but I think all three of us are we're we're very proud of the stuff we create and I was just getting to the point where I was thinking I can't do that same piece of b-roll on the same table you know without enough depth and stuff and um that's probably what did it I think really and like like I said I I could afford it I I think again a bit of advice for anyone who's looking at doing this just make sure you've got money in the bank to cover it because as soon as you move into a studio space there's costs you don't necessarily think about which are quite obvious actually but it's things like you know insurance and um just heating and lighting and stuff like that things that you, it are easy to forget when you look at it exactly yeah um all that stuff so um yeah I, I just had enough of that small space and i wanted to get out of the house and and, and do it elsewhere um also we're having a, a baby this year in, in june so um, i know you both you're both very familiar with that i'm not yet so i was kind of acutely aware that um our days and nights would be quite different so having this place to come to it'll be quite handy i think mm. 
Absolutely. Need a room to stockpile some napkins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's pretty much what what is a uh, because obviously we we are all you know thinking about a, a studio at some point, but uh, you know having two more babies recently definitely expedited that need for me. So I'm now frantically looking at places to uh, to get out of here, get out of this place. I recommend it. I think if like I say, if everything lines up for you, you can do it. Like I could go for it. Um, yeah. I think I've I've chosen this over having an editor, for example. I, I, I edit, I do everything myself. There's nothing you see in here from the channel that I don't do. So um, I think rather than spend, because I could probably spend out the same I'm spending on this space on a on a good a really good good editor for for my videos and possibly for the podcast. Um, and I don't want to give that up at the moment. So I look at it as a I'm diverting those that 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 spend elsewhere basically into space. Yeah, I, I had a a bit of a moment yesterday I, I broke a brand new phone and it it was because of my space you know the, the, if, if I was in a bigger space that would have fell on a carpet rather than on stuff that I'm cramming in, in the bedroom effectively <laughs> so it was the sign I needed not that I was I wasn't looking already I was already looking but um, I don't know I, I am scared of it because it's is way too early for me to do you know from but even even on my channel size like you said you know I could cover that cost you know quite easily but um yeah it's it's definitely a daunting daunting as a prospect yeah i think you have to see it as an investment in the, in the in the brand in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the business and that's how i've looked at it and you've just given a very good example and, and people won't think about this but you, you turn around i've done this i've broken things in my old studio because there's not enough space you fling your arm and something goes flying off and hits a camera or whatever whatever happens um Although, funny enough, I just only thought the only time I've ever broken a lens is in this studio. <laughs> That's another matter. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's stuff like that. And, and just having physically more space to do things in mm. for this type of work makes such a difference. And you can leave it in a mess yeah. and go home. It doesn't matter. I come back in, there's cables everywhere and <laughs> cameras and stuff everywhere. It just doesn't. Whereas before, I'd have to tiny things away. And so, yeah, I I'd, I'd recommend it, guys, if you, if you can afford it yeah. and um, you know, you've got the thirst for it, just just do it. Yeah, it was very real to me to to kind of put it in, pers- in that perspective to go. Actually, it's not just the phone that broke; it's the fact that the video I was about to make about the phone is costing me a sponsored video, which you know it, it it's like for like what would have cost me for a month's rent. So I think okay, uh, that is all I need to know <laughs> to make that decision. Yeah. I think sometimes these things happen for a reason, don't they? I think um, it's a horrible way to, I wouldn't wish that on anyone really, but um, yeah, like you say, it's perhaps made you sit there down and think, well, actually, maybe this is a sign. And I wonder if if people uh, are are looking at it the correct way, because I've always been looking at it uh, in a way that, you know, I was thinking, can I get a studio? Is it too early? Do I have enough money coming in to do it? But at the same time, you could consider, well, I can leave everything up. You know, I would have a dedicated space to film. I don't have to scramble to set everything up. I could produce probably twice as much and it would probably earn itself back very, very quickly. But it's that, you know, that mindset shift that you have to make to to get to that place or, you know, a bit of courage, I suppose, to do it. Yeah, and, it definitely uh, is courage. Yeah, it's scary. And the time it saves, right? Time, it, time is money, right? And, and mm. just just setting up for the po- po- podcast today, it took me forty minutes minimum to get everything set up. <laughs> you know, because during the day I'm in the same space running my Zoom meetings, and I can't have this set up <laughs> in my Zoom meeting. So it, it's yeah. If I was in a studio, I could just 
go into a different space. But 40 minutes is such a long time. And you, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's one thing you do in a long time is that every minute is so important. And 40 mm-hmm. minutes, I think what you could do with those 40 minutes elsewhere, and that, like you say, Alex, that's where spending the money on the studio makes utter sense because it's giving you that time mm-hmm. back. That, and the time's yeah. invaluable. It's, it's worth, you can't put a price on it, I don't think. Mm, I agree. Okay, so uh, so Mark, the last question I have for you is what's next for Mark Ellis Reviews? And I would like to break that up into kind of two questions. One is like, what are your goals for 2022, if you have any? Uh, I suppose you do. And where do you see yourself as a creator in, let's say, uh, 2025? Wow. Well, the first one uh, for this year, um, I think like I mentioned earlier, it's about doing what I'm doing now, but better. Um, which sounds like a bit of an odd answer, but it's uh, I've been very conscious that a lot of my videos when I was doing the, the normal job, in inverted commas, um, were a bit rushed. And the result of that, I wasn't always happy with some of the production. More importantly, I wasn't happy with some of the fact checking that I'd done. I got certain things wrong and, and what have you. So I want to try and get better at those sort of things. Um, and but also uh, the, the, the other element of this of this business for me is, is education. So I think I've mentioned Skillshare earlier i've got a couple of skillshare classes already um but i've got much bigger ideas with those again i keep keep mentioning that the m word but with medium for example i want to share a lot of what i've learned with medium so i'm halfway through writing an ebook for that at the moment which is part of a much bigger idea there'll be a medium ebook um uh skillshare class email list all all that stuff built together because i want to like we've talked about it a lot today and because i think it's such an intrinsic part of my early success with YouTube. I want to share how I've done it um, and kind of template it for people. Um, so that's so. I think the education part of it's going to be could play quite a big role. I want to do a bit more um, kind of Skillshare class stuff for video editing, you know, going beyond the basics that I've done already, um, using Logic Pro for audio work, all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of this year, I think, and, and also just getting into the rhythm of, of just doing this full time. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, what I've discovered is that since. Um, because it's literally Monday, we, we, you know, we're recording this on Thursday, four days ago or three days ago is when I started this uh, full time. So I think um, the one big thing I learned on Monday is that, okay, it's lovely that you suddenly get this free diary and all these Teams meetings disappear, but you have to be so careful with that time because be, it's very easy to think, oh, I can just do loads of things now. Um, and I'm still finding myself clock watching and thinking oh, I need to be back for a, for a meeting. And I, I don't actually know. So I think I need to get my head in. And I think that's going to take a, a good couple of months to get into that, mm-hmm. that rhythm, really. Um, and then, yeah, was it was it 2025, the next question, Patrick? Yeah, let's let's say 2025. <laughs> uh, God, where am I going to be then? Um, I'd, I mean, hopefully by that point, I'll have broken the 100,000 um, subscriber barrier on um, YouTube. Oh, come on. That's going to happen uh, this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't really got, I don't, on subscribers, I don't really have subscriber goals, really. I mean, you do, you have these kind of arbitrary things that, that YouTube puts in place. But beyond that, I don't have anything else other than that. Um, I think what I, what I would like to be, I'd like to be, we've kind of touched on it today, actually. I'd like to be at a point in, in that many years' time, is it three years' time, that I've, I do have that that kind of niche nailed down. And I can be more experimental and still get the views. So whereas at the moment we were saying about the you know, the e-bikes for, uh, review, for example, I'd love to be in a position where I could put that video out and it do as well as my Mac mini mm. year year review. Um, that would be wonderful. Um, and also, I think the, 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 just lastly, the other thing that is really important to me, which I haven't really mentioned on here, is is the uh, the newsletter. Um, 
I've said this before to, to, to some other people on, on, on other podcasts that the most important video I create every week isn't either of the two videos that I create for the channel. It's the newsletter video. Um, and at the moment I have, I think about 1500 people on, on, signed up on, onto that newsletter list. And every week they get a private video that's hosted on YouTube, but obviously hidden from view. And it's just me sat here talking rubbish, basically, and showing them things behind the scenes and doing little unboxings and things and talking about my life and stuff. Um, I didn't know how that was going to go, but it's going really well, actually. And the, the watch time on it, the retention's unbelievable, hmm. um, which I, I still can't really believe. But um, but it's, again, it's kind of proven that something's working there. And because I know that that, that mailing list is the, it's the only audience I own. I don't own the audience from YouTube or media or anything, but that one I do. Uh, people have given me their email addresses. So I think in three years' time, I'd love that to be even bigger and... Um, actually generating some form of, of, of income from those people who seem to really enjoy that stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's the thousand true fans theory, isn't it? Where mm. you get a thousand people paying you X amount of dollars or pounds a year. Um, you've got a very interesting business there, but I've got to find a way of giving them value for that. So I'd like to think in three years time, I've discovered what that is for them. <laughs> if that makes sense. Love that. Great answer. That's awesome. So, so Mark, one of the things that we do as a final with every guest is a bit of a tradition here and we, we haven't named this segment yet, but is something where we get every guest to to let us know of a creator where he or she kind of caught your eye and you'd like to share with the world and we'll um, we'll make sure that we put that here and obviously uh, before we end we'll 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 plug your channel and your your medium account and everything so that everyone can find you everywhere well, obviously, I'd, I'd pick both of you because I've discovered you both recently. I think you're fantastic, but I don't suppose I can. Yeah, can I? <laughs> oh, it's okay. You can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so apart from you two, um, there is that. yeah, there is one uh, guy that I've been following for quite a long time. He's not a small YouTuber in fairness, so this isn't really kind of plugging him because he needs it. He doesn't. But um, it's a guy called Thomas Heaton. I don't know if either of you have um, come across him before. No. Um, he's a landscape photographer based in the UK. Um, I think I discovered him must have been about three or four years ago a little while ago um he's got i think half a million subscribers um and he's just he's one of these channels i, I wrote about this a little while ago that um i watch him because I, I i love photography and i've been a photographer my whole life and i love all the, all the gear and stuff but um I, i've realized that the main reason i watch him is because it, it really chills me out it's normally the last thing i watch before i go to bed he, he does one video a week um and it's him just driving around in his van either in the uk or occasionally he goes abroad um shooting landscape photos, camping in the wild and all that sort of stuff. And the way he tells the story, he, I'd, I'd love to know what his retention stats are. They must be amazing because you can't stop watching it. You have to watch the entire... It's one of those videos where you have to watch the entire video. Mm. You don't have to watch my all my videos. You can watch the bits you need to see. But with him, to get the full benefit, you need to watch the entire thing. Um, so, yeah, he's just a very good example of a YouTuber who offers very good practical advice about photography. You know, if you want to be a landscape photographer... Yeah, listen to him because he knows what he's talking about but he's got that storytelling thing where as i say for me it acts as a bit of a therapeutic thing in a way um i think he's i think he's absolutely awesome. fantastic if you can let our our listeners know where, where to find you where do you hang out most uh, we, we've seen you know people that are uh, on twitter a lot on instagram a lot what are your hangouts I think uh, Twitter is gradually becoming the most important thing for me for that. Uh, but also Instagram. I do quite a bit of stuff on Instagram. Um, I think the easiest way to find out everything that I do 
is just to go to my website, which is markellisreviews.com. Um, you'll have links to everything from there. Um, you'll see the blogs I've been talking about as well. Um, but yeah, links to the YouTube channel. That's quite easy to find, to be fair. Um, Twitter is, is just Mellis Reviews, um, and Instagram is Mark Ellis Reviews. So yeah, as, as you both know, I'm normally on there talking about something or taking photos Brilliant. of things. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. No, pleasure's all mine, guys. I've, I've really enjoyed this. And like I say, I'm very humbled to be, to be asked on. Cheers, guys.